silver or gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. I'll talk some more about that scripture in a moment. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you for the opportunity to come and to worship you and honor you. We thank you for for safe places to hear your word, Lord Jesus. Safe places uh, to experience you, to know you, to know your love, and even to have the opportunity to follow you and to put our lives in your hands. And so this morning, let your word be life to each one of us. We open up our hearts, Lord, to hear what you would say to each one of us. You're so good at speaking to us. I pray for the empowerment and the leading of your Holy Spirit to share what's in your word. Thank you for the opportunity. Lord, use this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in this new series. It's called Moving Forward. And we've been talking about keys to moving forward in life. How many of you all come to points in your life where you're like, I just would like to kind of get through this time, through this season. I'm just ready to move forward, right? Some of us are control freaks, and it's like, what can I do? I want to make it happen, Captain, right? Just like, let's do this. Others of us, we, we're just more passive about it, and we're just like, I'm waiting for life to change, right? Just someday it's going to change. And, you know, the reality is we cooperate and participate with what God wants to do to move us forward in life. So in the first uh, part, we're in part three today, but in part one, we talked about to move forward, sometimes you've got to come to that place where there's a point of no return. We looked at some scriptures where people made decisions where they said, you know what, I'm going to make it so that I can't go back anymore. We looked at a scripture of uh, the prophet Elijah where he um, slaughters his oxen and he, and he burns the yokes and he leaves his life in the past behind and makes it so he can't go back, the point of no return, so that he can pursue what God has for him. Uh, the second week we talked about not looking back, that in our lives, many times we have things in our past that we're either not proud of or that have influences in our present and that it's time to not allow the past to influence the present and our future. We looked in Scripture at the Apostle Paul, who many of us, if we study Scripture and we look at the Apostle Paul, we think so much about what he did for God that we actually can often not even remember that he used to persecute the church and he stood over Stephen's martyrdom and watched them stone a Christian, but that he was radically transformed to follow God. So much transformation happened in his life that most of us don't even think about his past. We only think about who God made him. And for a lot of us, we would like some people to forget about our past. We would like for some, for in our lives to be known for who we are today and the fact that we're following Jesus, not for all the stuff in the past. That was week two. And today, we're going to talk about to move forward, you need to live ready. You need to be ready for those moments and those times in your life where God's ready to do something and he needs you and he's ready for you to cooperate with you, with him. And so we'll look at several scriptures. I'm going to take you Old Testament, New Testament. We're going to do a lot of scripture. Just kind of put your hair back, brace yourself. We're going to read a lot of Bible today. It'll be up on the screen and um, go through a series of stories. And if you've missed um, some of these messages and you want to catch up with them, you can listen to it on the podcast. Part one and part two and part three will be up probably by the end of the day. You can get that through the app, through the website. We make it really easy to find the podcast and you can listen to that. And, you know, if you're having a hard time sleeping at night, just put that sermon on and I will just lull you to sleep. No, I'm just kidding. Mostly. If you're doing that, don't tell me. It'll hurt my feelings. 
Um, let's, uh, let's start this morning. We're going to read to you out of Acts chapter 3. This is in the New Testament. This scripture takes place after Jesus has died on the cross. He's risen from the dead. He's gone up to heaven, and the church is beginning, right? All these believers and followers of Jesus are following him, and that's where we're going to pick up. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, Look at us! So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from him. And then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Can you imagine this sight? This guy who's carried day after day to the temple. And he's there, and he's begging just to kind of get by. And, and what do people see? They see the same guy walking and jumping and praising God. I love this story. Have you ever read a Bible story and put yourself in the story? It's a lot of fun. I encourage you to do this. I think it's allowed. Like, put yourself in someone's place. For instance, put yourself in Peter's place, right? Peter is, he's on his way to the temple, which this was a really common place for him, this temple in Jerusalem. He's been there countless times in his life. And he's there, and he's on his way, and he's on his way with John, a guy that he's known for three years at least and is walking to the temple and they're going to the place that's common to them with somebody that's common. And he's even facing a situation that's common because putting beggars in front of the temple is basically like putting needy people out in front of the church. He's putting them, they're there uh, to receive, you know, blessings and, and gifts from people to get them by. Like even that's kind of common. And yet, On this day, in that moment, there is this miracle that's about to happen, even though going to the same place with somebody he knows, faced with a common circumstance, and yet when he hears that person begging, something happens in Peter. And he's just like, no, 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 today. And he gets the guy's attention. I love this. can you imagine if, like, you're on Cary Street and somebody is there begging, and, and, and you in public looked at them and said, Look at me! Y'all, that would be rude in any culture. <laughs> hey, hey, eyes here. Eyes here. I mean, I'd be like, All right. So he looks at him. Of course, he's thinking he's about to get a gift, right? And he's like, I don't have silver and I don't have gold, but what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Takes the dude by the takes a lame guy by the hands. Y'all, that would have been something awesome to watch. Something in Peter was ready for that moment. I'm sharing this story first because I feel like this story is like the pinnacle of ready. Like you're just on your way doing your normal thing and all of a sudden something happens inside of you and you're like ready for God to do a miracle. You're you're, you're responding to the unction of the Holy Spirit and just saying, get up and walk. Now let's put ourselves in the guy's situation. He's there and he's carried there. Who knows how many times 
He's been carried there. And he's just doing his thing, asking for people to give him money to get him by. And all of a sudden, some joker says, look at me. And he's grabbing you by the hand, and you're feeling life come to your feet and legs. To the point where you go from being lame to jumping and walking and praising God. Isn't that amazing? See, there were two people ready in this story. There was Peter, who was ready to, by faith and trust in God, say, you know what? I believe God's going to do a miracle for you right now. He said, in the name of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, get up right now and walk. And that guy, he could have, like, snatched his hand back and go, no. You, you know, don't embarrass me. Don't. But he allowed Peter to take him by the hand, gets up, and he's walking and jumping and praising God. I, I share that story first this morning because I feel like it is like the standard. Wouldn't you like to be that ready for what God wants to do? I think one of the reasons that we we feel stuck in life, one of the reasons we don't move forward in life is that we're not ready for what God wants to do. I like the phrase, I don't know if you've heard this around Google, sitting on ready. That just I'm just ready for what God wants to do. And we're going to look at some principles today that will help you to be ready. Ready to move forward, ready to seize the moment, ready ready to see a move of God, ready to be part of a move of God because the wonderful thing about our God is that he's still doing amazing things around us. I don't know about you, but I just want to be ready for what he has in his heart to do. And I'll take it to an Old Testament uh, scripture now. And in 1 Samuel chapter 14, we find a guy named Jonathan. Now, let me tell you who Jonathan was. Jonathan's dad was the first king of all of Israel. His name was Saul. Um, he's the Old Testament Saul, if you will. He wasn't a very good king, but Saul, or excuse me, Jonathan was a great guy. And um, they had the, this enemy in that time called the Philistines. And they were at war with the Philistines. And one day, Jonathan gets up and he says, you know what? I'm just going to go out and kind of check things out, check the outpost of the enemy. And he grabs his armor bearer. I guess when you're a prince, you get to have an armor bearer. He's like, let's go. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 14, verse 6. It says, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. I love it when scripture talks trash like that. Those uncircumcised men. Anyhow, it's like Bible trash talk about the enemy. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And so here's what, here's what he does. He goes out and he says, let's go find, you know, see what's going on out there. And he, he sees at the top of this cliff that there is this group of Philistines on top of the cliff, right? And Jonathan comes up and um, he says, you know what? I got a plan. I got an idea. He says, I am going to, I'm going to let them see us. And if when they see us from the cliff, if they say to us, come on up there, we're going to know that like God wants to do something amazing. And, but if they say, hey, we're going to come down there. You wait. We're going to know that God hasn't given them into his hands. So it's kind of like he's like putting out a test. Like he's like, I want to see what God wants to do. And here's how we're going to know if God wants to like to move in this circumstance. So sure enough, he goes out there. The Philistines catch him, catch him. And they say, hey, we see you down there. He goes, he says, come on up here. So we and he actually says in scripture so we can teach you a lesson. 
And Jonathan, he looks at his armor bearer and he's like, God's given them into our hands. They go up there, they take out 20 of the enemy, just like that. And then this amazing thing happens where not only are the 20 men taken out, but in 1 Samuel 14, 15, it says, Then panic struck the whole army, the whole Philistine army. And those in the camp and the field and those in the outposts and the raiding parties and the ground shook, it was a panic sent by God. So Jonathan goes out that day and he has this skirmish, if you will, and these these guys are taken out. And God says, you know what? I'm ready to move. I'm ready to do something. He shakes the ground, sends all the enemy in a panic, and they win this amazing battle that day. And at the beginning of all that, was Jonathan, who was just ready for God to move, ready for God to do something. And what I love about Jonathan in this story is that his disposition is he's ready for God to, to, to change the circumstance. He's looking for God to, to change the circumstance, he's, and he's willing to be a part of it, right, to participate. But he doesn't presume. He doesn't say... God has to do this for me. He doesn't order God around. He just puts himself in a place where he's ready for God to do something. And I think we can learn something from Jonathan there. Because, you know, sometimes for some of us more control-oriented people, right, when we're ready for God to move, we're ready to help him. You know what I'm talking about? God, you sit back. As a matter of fact, if you'd like, just take some notes, and I'll tell you how you can do this for me. You know what I'm talking about? And that is, is not what God is looking for us. He's not, he's not looking for us to take control. And he's not looking for us to take matters into our own hands. But he's looking for us to participate with what he wants to do. And learning how to participate with what God is doing is a real art. The reason I describe it that way is because sometimes we want to boil down the way that God does things into a science where we're basically, if I do this, God has to do this, and then we end up just kind of manipulating God like a cookbook. Well, if I do this and I set the, you know, I set the oven to 350 and I pull it out at 11 and a half minutes, this is exactly what's going to happen. When what God wants is he wants us to relate to him and to talk to him and to interact with him. And even in this circumstance, Jonathan, he's ready. You can feel it. Like he's just ready for God to do something. And you know what? God said, you know what? I'm ready to do something. And did something very mighty. That attitude of, God, when you're ready, I'm ready. I'm here for what you want to do. One of the things that we recognize in this story and then the next one I'm going to share with you is it's not about the supply. It's not about how much you have for God to move. It's about the one who supplies. In the story we just read, one of the things that Jonathan said is, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from, from saving, whether by few or by many. How many of us are, are guilty of we look at what we have and think that that's all we have. You know what I'm talking about? But the reality is, God can do a whole lot with your little when you put it in his hands. In this circumstance, Jonathan tells the armor bearer, because 
I mean, can you imagine the armor bearer? Like, he's getting up for work that day. Jonathan's like, let's go out. Let's go see what God wants to do. I'm sure the armor bearer, if I'm the armor bearer anyhow, I'd be like, uh, you want to bring anybody? You want to at least tell somebody where we're going? Like, they didn't even tell people where they were going. They're just headed out looking for something to happen. I'm like, man. But Jonathan speaks this word, and he believes it by faith. God can do something with a little bit. He can do something with a lot. All we need is God to do something. I love that disposition. And we're going we're gonna to see that attitude even more in this New Testament scripture I'm going to show you. And this is Luke chapter 9. And this is with the disciples that Jesus had called to follow him with Jesus. And one day Jesus is out teaching a large group of people, like 5,000. And here's what it says. Late in, this is Luke 9, 12. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, Send the crowd away. So they can go to the surrounding villages in the countryside and find some food and lodging because we are in a remote place. He replied, this is Jesus replying, you give them something to eat. They answered, we, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. I always want to say two fishes. Does anybody else want to, want to do that? I don't know about it. Something about the way that I just want to say fishes, but it's fish for those of you who care. Um, Unless we go and buy food for all of this crowd, about 5,000 men were there. But he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down, taking five loaves. How many loaves? Five loaves and two fishes. How many fish? That was just for fun. Two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them, and he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. When they ate and were satisfied... Now, for those of you who are paying attention, watch the math here. They ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. They started off with five fish and two loaves. They ended up with 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Isn't that amazing? The disciples... In this situation, you know, it's so funny when we read scripture, sometimes we can go, oh, you silly disciples. Oh, you know, like I could see it coming. Well, that's because we a lot of times have heard the story or read the story. But the disciples are practical, right? Jesus has been teaching. They're a long way off from a Walmart. They can't just go get a bunch of food, right? And they're like, hey, let's be nice to these people and send them home. They're going to be hungry, right? And so Jesus, when, when the disciples are kind and thinking about the folks there, I think they might have been thinking about themselves because I'm thinking five fish and two loaves. Is that enough for the 12 disciples and Jesus to eat? I'm thinking they're hungry, right? They're thinking they need to eat. I want to eat. I don't know. But so, and Jesus looks at them and says, you give them something to eat. I'm like, what you talking about? Me give them something to eat. And their reply is, we only have. Isn't that sometimes where we are in life? Right? And one of the times we think we can't move forward is because we can get so focused on what we only have. I only have this much time. I only have this much money. I only have this much energy. I only have and I only have. And you know what? What you're saying is right. You're right. You only have. But God. But God. 
And the disciples, they're completely being reasonable. They're completely being like, this all makes sense. But then Jesus looks at them and says, you give them something. They're like, all right. I love that they're like, <laughs> I don't know about you. Sometimes I want to have a little bit of an attitude. Like, you give them something to eat. What do you mean me give them something to eat? But they just calmly, they've been with Jesus a long time. They know how to work this. They're like, but, well, Jesus, we only have five loaves and two fishes. Fish. Now I'm going to mess up my grammar. I guess it's in my heart. But Jesus, he takes that, those five fish, or loaves, fish. He takes the food. He just takes that food. And he blesses it. And he breaks it. And he begins to put it in the disciples' hands. And the disciples start visiting the groups of 50 gathered. And they're handing out this food. And what's really cool is Jesus is doing the miracle and the disciples are participating in the miracle. Because who's handing out the food? The disciples, right? Now, like if I was Jesus and I was like, y'all, y'all don't have enough faith. You know, sit down and watch what I do. And he could have said, now watch this. And he could have just broke up the, the bread and the fish and said, now you see what I'm doing? But no, Jesus wants to, them to participate in what he's doing. And he takes the little that's in their hands. They put it in his hands. Watch this. They put it in his hands. He blesses it, puts it back in their hands. And they watch a miracle happen. The thing is, you just got to be ready for what God wants to do. Notice how the Lord is orchestrating this. He's putting it together. And he's saying, you know what? We're going to take care of all these people. All the disciples did in this circumstance was obey. All they did was listen to Jesus. All they did was follow the directions that he gave them. And they went, they went out to the crowd and they distributed the food and they watched it multiply in their hands and in his hands. And there's this great attitude of generosity that's going on. They're just sharing what they have and watching God bless what they have. I want to encourage you with it. Whatever you have, to be generous with it. Sometimes we think in terms of, I have to have such and such to be able to do this. And while in the natural, that is absolutely true. But the reality is, God can bless what's in your hand. And that is so much fun. Now, notice that I'm not encouraging you this morning to just, like, go and make stuff up, right? Like, well, I'm going to go try it out. I'm going to empty out my bank account today, Pastor Mike, and I'm going to go give it to my neighbor, and I'm just going to see what happens. Don't do that. It's about being ready for what God wants to lead you to do. Sometimes that's easy. Sometimes that's not difficult. And what I love in these circumstances is God is doing something not just for the people that are in the story, but for the people who are around the story. There's another story. I want to go back to the Old Testament again for a moment. This is in 1 Kings chapter 17. And there's this prophet named Elijah. 
And uh, Elijah had kind of a tough gig. He prophesied that there was going to be famine in the in the land of Israel, and so there was this there was this drought, and there was a famine, and people were hungry. And the Lord took care of Elijah. He said, "Listen, I want you to go cross over the River Jordan, and I'm going to have a raven bring you food, and you're going to have what you need day by day." And sure enough, he goes, and he has a bird bringing him food each day. That's pretty wild, ain't it? Now, how many of y'all want to live like that? Pretty amazing, but we don't want it. You know what I'm talking about? All right. So he's living there, and, and it's all going fine. And then the Lord says, all right, the supply is going to end here. I want you to go to Zarephath, and there's a, there's a widow there who's going to feed you from now on. What's fascinating to me about this scripture is that when it's time to move, and he had to be ready to move, when it's time to move, the Lord stopped the raven from bringing him food. Isn't that interesting? There was miraculous supply in that place, and then there was no supply in that place. Now, for some of us, when God supplies something even supernaturally, we want to, like, build a house around it. Like, I'm never leaving this place because this raven's going to be here all the time and that kind of thing. And the reality is God will provide for you there, but he may move things around. That's why it's a relationship with God. It's not magic. It's not you try us trying to um, force God to do things. We're in a relationship with God and he cares about us and he wants to show us his ability to move us forward in life from one day to the next day. So he says, listen, the raven's going to stop. Go to Zarephath. That would convince me to leave. Right. The food's gone. So he goes to Zarephath and and there's a widow there. And you remember now his supply dried up. He's told to go to this specific town and to ask the widow for food. So he asked the widow for food in 1 Kings 17. Asked the widow for food, and the widow says, yeah, all I have is like a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. I'm about to like make my last meal and feed it to me and my son, and then we're going to die of starvation. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, I'm good. You know what I'm talking about? I ain't taking a widow and her son's last meal. You know what I'm talking about? But the setup to the story is really important. Because he was miraculously provided food and then it was stopped. He was told to go to a specific city and ask a specific person for food. And the reality was, God wanted to take the little bit that that widow had. He sent Elijah to the widow because he cared about her. And he was inviting the widow to be a part of the miracle. You only have this little bit. Now give some to the prophet of the Lord. He goes, give me some, make me some bread, and then go feed you and your son. And then the oil and the flour never ran out miraculously throughout the entire famine. He we can look at a story and go, man, God, like that's tough, that's rough. But he was actually inviting the widow into the miracle. Do you see that? He dried up the supply by the raven because he loved the widow. And he sent it to the widow. And you keep reading the story, the story gets super intense. Then the widow's son dies. And the widow comes and, like, she's mad. Like, if we were to watch, like, the lifetime version of this, like, she goes off on him. 
drops some words on him, like, what'd you come here for? Like, going off on the prophet. You should read it for yourself in, in your, like, study time or reading time this week. He goes, she goes off on him and says, you'll be disappointed when you read it, but she's mad. She's like, what'd you come here for my son to die and that kind of stuff? And he's brokenhearted. And he goes and he prays to the Lord. He's like, God, you know, what, what's going on here? And he goes and he puts his body on the corpse of the son three times. And the son raises from the dead. Isn't that an amazing story? God didn't send him there for the son to die. God sent him there because he wanted a miracle for the son to live. And Elijah was ready. He was ready to ask for that food. He was ready to pray for that son. He was ready to do the thing that was necessary in the moment. Sometimes when trauma happens in our lives and bad circumstances come in our lives, it is like a pop in the face. So was it, was it um, Mike Tyson who said, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face? Did you ever hear that? That's not in the Bible. Um, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Sometimes trauma and bad things are like a punch in the face, and you're just stunned. Even the prophet Elijah is like, what is going on here? But then he prays and sees this miracle, sees God do this, this miracle in the midst. There is something about being ready for what God wants to do. I want to give you or, or leave you with this morning three things that will help you be ready. Because I believe in our lives, God wants to move us forward. We can't make him do stuff, but he loves us and cares for us. He has shown how much he loves us by putting our sin on his only son and allowing him to pay for our sin on the cross. If you're wondering today, does God love me? He has shown you. He has shown all of us because he doesn't want us to pay for our sins. But he wants us to be able to be forgiven of our sins, have the weight of sin lift off of us, have the shame of sin lifted off of us so that we can walk in a new life with him. It's just that simple. And that's why Jesus just tells people, come and follow me. Just come and follow me. It's such a beautiful thing. And so here are three things that will help you to be ready for what God wants to do. Number one is to live prayerfully. Live prayerfully. Was it Bon Jovi who made that song, Living on a Prayer? All right. Well, not that I quote Bon Jovi or Mike Tyson very often, but they're, they're, they're making the cut today. The problem with that is you're living on a prayer. And we need to live on prayer. Right? Like you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta live on prayer by praying. And by praying and praying and praying again, right? And so being prayerful keeps the conversation and the dialogue going. The second one is to live thoughtful. What I mean by thoughtful is so many times in our lives, we are not paying attention to who's around us. In all of these stories that I'm sharing with you from Scripture, there are other people involved. With Peter, there's... The, the crippled person who's involved with the um, with Jonathan, it's him and his armor bearer, and then the whole ar- the whole Israelite army is blessed. Right in this last scripture that I shared with you, where Peter and uh, excuse me, I, I, with Jesus and feeding the over five thousand, 
there's all of these people that need to eat. When I say live thoughtfully, what I mean is pay attention to who's around you because so many times God wants to involve and incorporate and bless people around your life and many times we can get in the pattern where we don't, pay, we don't realize who's around us and what's going on. So pay attention and be thoughtful about who's around you. And the third thing is to live faith-filled. And when I say being faith-filled, I mean having an attitude that, you know what, God can do some amazing things and I'm ready for whatever God wants to do. I know that God is a healer. I know that God is a provider. I know that God loves. Like I know those things about his character. He's shown me that that's who he is. And I want to be faith-filled. I want to be in a trusting attitude knowing that God's ready to do something. And the best way to be faith-filled is to make sure you're filling yourself with his word. It says in Romans 10:17, it says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. When we hear about Jesus, when we hear scriptures and stories about great things that God has done, we have this opportunity to believe. We have this opportunity to have faith. And if you want to fill your faith tank, fill your trust in God tank, put more of his scripture inside of you. Because what you put in is going to be with a thing that you can feed from. And so you have to encourage yourself and build your faith with his word. Read about what Jesus is doing in scripture. Read about all the amazing things that he has done and who he is. And it will build your trust in him. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?